Hello again, everyone, and welcome to what it is, the Derek Hunter Podcast for Friday, Merciful Friday, the 25th of March, 2022. Why do I still, man, it usually takes through January for me to not get that completely, but I usually nail it by three months in. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to uh, the program. Oh, it's an action-packed show for you today to get you ready for the weekend. I'll try to keep it shorter than usual. I don't I've been going way too long, and uh, I don't know. It hasn't really impacted the numbers. I don't know how long people listen. I don't have access to that kind of data. I don't know how to access that kind. Of, I'm sure I could get access to that kind of data. But it just seems like an hour is about the right length. An hour, 45 minutes to an hour is about the right length for a podcast. That's like most people's commutes or whatever the hell they do. The gym, weird people who work out and go, yeah, let me hear that guy talk. I need that. Uh, so I'm going to try to keep it short, but even the intro is going far too damn long. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't have a lot of faith in my ability to keep it short. Just know that (laughs) once the mouth gets going, man, I can't, can't stop. Uh, do not forget, please, uh, if you have not done it just yet, consider going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and signing up for the week in effing review. It's going to be quite a week in effing review. Talk about the uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings and what is a woman? Who could, is a question for the ages and all that stuff, but with the adult language and themes and really it's, a, it's adult, but it's immature in parts. Um, anger is a good way to describe it, but comedic rage. That you need. Think Lewis Black back when you used to think Lewis Black. Uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Also, the low, low price of five bucks a month, and I will be eternally grateful. That's where you can also enter to win the signed books, either Matt Walsh or John Cleese. I think son, next week's contest, I'm going to try and dig into the boxes and find somebody, whichever one. I don't know which one's going to go, but I'm going to try and find something big. Something super exciting. So uh, go there. It's the only way to uh, enter. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. All one word. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you just listening to the show. Now, let's get on with it. Uh, let's get into it because there is a lot that is going on in the world. And can I just say that, um, look, I'm not, I'm not a fanboy for Supreme Court nomination hearings. I don't think, well, there are some people who are. There are some people who, you know, are in their 40s and never kissed a girl. But I uh, I do enjoy a good one if there is such a good, this one is so boring. So boring. And it tells you the difference between Democrats and Republicans now that I think about it. Because, why? Because when the Kavanaugh hearing started, you thought, ah, this is going to be easy. And then the Democrats pulled out all their BS and they, their lies. And it it's, must be nice to not be bound by reality and not be held accountable at all. And so they, they pulled all that garbage with, uh, oh, he, he ran gang rape parties. And you got to love the way that these people, like, it was credible. Credible allegations of sexual abuse and sexual assault. Incredible by where? By what standards? What's the, you're the people who refused to talk to Tara Reid, all right? You did one story, each outlet did one story casually mentioning Tara Reid, and then you ran away from it, 
like it was a stink bomb and you just accidentally dropped it. He just ran away screaming like a 12-year-old girl and he never talked about it again. He didn't do any thorough investigation. He didn't really demand that Joe Biden release his records from the time from the United States Senate, which for some weird reason he has sealed long since, you know, long past his death, long past Hunter's death. He didn't want anybody to see them. Why? You ever maybe a little bit curious about that? No, you're not. They had no interest. But somebody comes up and says, oh, yeah, no, he uh, he tried to kiss me when I was 15. And I don't believe that at all, because I've seen pictures of Christine Blasey Ford when she was 15. No, no, no. It's a joke. It's a joke, mostly. I mean, sort of. It is a joke, but, I mean, I'm making a joke as well. Her allegations were given all of the uh, scrutiny, frankly, they deserved. When somebody comes in and says, that person sexually assaulted me, where? I don't remember. When? Long time ago. Can you be more specific? No, I can't. Who was there? Uh, I don't know. These people, maybe? Talk to them. And you talk to them and all of them, to a person, including your best friend, go, yeah, no, it didn't happen. I don't remember anything. I don't know what she's talking about. And then you get other clown leftists coming out saying, oh, yeah, no, he's uh, Kavanaugh. He's a well-known gang raper, Julie Swetnick. Um, By the way, it's amazing that the left has never even sort of acknowledged that Julie Swetnick (laughs) lacked credibility, to say the least. Even though her lawyer, their god king at the time, Michael Avenatti, is now sitting in prison and possibly for... The, the good portion of the rest of his life, because he was such a scumbag, they they heralded him as the second coming. They heralded her as a truth teller who needed to be heard. She needed to be heard, ladies and gentlemen. And her story was even more unbelievable than than uh, Christine Blase Ford. Whoever constructed Christine Blase Ford's story had the the sense, the good sense, the brains to go, look, we can't make this too big of a public event where this allegedly took place. It has to be a private party. It can't be one of those big parties where they're doing all the gang raping. But it has to be, you know, a smaller one where just a couple people got together. Now, the reason for that is pretty obvious to anybody with a semi-devious mind is there's fewer potential witnesses to see the more people coming out saying no that didn't happen the less credible the story is so if you have what happened quote unquote to uh, to uh, Christine Blase Ford if you have that happen with like six people in the house well it's only six people. In big houses in Chevy Chase, you can easily get lost when there are six people in a house. They're, they're rather big houses. So you could not know what's going on, what people are doing at the other end of the house. But if you go the, the full Swetnik, the full Avenatti, and you have these massive parties where the music is pumping and the punch is flowing and somebody spikes the punch every single time, Every single time. And there are then gang rapes taking place once whatever they uh, got from Bill Cosby kicked in, in the punch. People start having some questions like, uh, okay, well, if there were lots of people at this and lines, and Swetnick described lines outside the bedrooms where the gang rapes were happening. 
you would think somebody else involved would have, I don't know, remembered that. Would come out and say, finally, somebody broke the silence. I can now tell you the truth about my horrendous childhood. But it didn't happen. Not a single person came out to back up Julie Swetnick. Now, she says that she attended, like, what, three or four of these parties? It was multiple parties. Multiple gang rape parties. She had to commute. She didn't live in in Chevy Chase, Bethesda area. She lived somewhere out, uh, I forget where, Rockville, or uh, maybe it was further out towards Germantown, whatever it was. She she had to make a concerted effort to drive to get to a party where either she was gang raped repeatedly or she was one of the few women who managed to avoid being gang raped, which seems neither answer is good. Because if she was gang raped multiple times, you have to ask why she she wouldn't go to the police, but then why would she go back to the party? Like, is there a party that's so good? Yeah, you. I go to every time I go to this party, somebody stabs me. But up until the point that I'm stabbed, man, that party's fun. That party's. Fun. I'm trying to find the sweet spot of leaving right before the stabbings begin and then i can thoroughly enjoy that party now i don't i don't think so i i I, call me crazy call me heartless i don't understand the mentality of the left and i don't have any idea what it's like to be a woman but i would think that the women i've known in fact i know the women i've known that even if there was some dude who was creepy in a bar we go to a bar for the first time, and there's some dude she found creepy. Didn't even necessarily even have to talk to her. Just across the bar, across the room, kind of stared at her in a weird way or will give you one of those creepy excuse me's as you go to the bathroom, whatever it was. That made an impression on her to the point that uh, they wouldn't go back to that bar oftentimes. If there's large-scale gang rape happening, I imagine most women would go, well, I don't care how good the punch is. I don't care how good the music is. I'm not going back to the, I'm not going because of the gang rape, right? If you can get rid of the gang rape, if you can assure me the creepy guy across the bar isn't going to be there again, I'll go back there. But unless and until I know he's not going to be there, it might be his regular joint, I don't want to go there because he creeped me out. You can assure me there won't be gang rape. I'll go back. And she went back several times, and each time, allegedly, led by Brett Kavanaugh, according to her, there was this gang rape party going on. What's weird is Democrats have not demanded that Julie Swetnick or Michael Avenatti, who uh, was her lawyer, uh, Julie Swetnick submitted sworn affidavits. She, therefore committed perjury. Democrats have not demanded that the Justice Department look into it, let alone prosecute her. They don't give a damn. As soon as Brett Kavanaugh was cleared, as soon as Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed, they gave up on all these things. Now, you would think if you believed any of these accusers, I think there were three, maybe, who knows? Some of the stories were so stupid that the, the any any sort of news story gets lunatics coming out of the, in the open. They don't all get treated like Christine Blase Ford, winning like ESPN's Woman of the Year. Whatever. She was presenting Woman of the Year, whatever it was. She was involved in ESPN after that. Because why? Because ESPN is awful. 
It's owned by Disney. What do you expect? Uh, but uh, you would think that these people who now control the FBI, who are busy sicking the FBI on James O'Keefe and Project Veritas, who are busy trying to cover up for Hunter Biden and Ashley Biden and God knows what other Biden they've, they're covering up for. I'm sure the brothers got some active uh, cases that they're trying to cover up for. None of them have said, all right, now that we're in charge, FBI, I would like you to look into these allegations thoroughly. Because all they do is whine about, oh, Brett Kavanaugh, he wasn't never really thoroughly investigated. The Republicans short-circuited those investigations. Well, now you got all the time in the world. You're in charge. Not a single one of those Democrats have said, hey, FBI, how about you go back and uh, finish the investigation into Christine Blase Ford's allegations. Now, that seems kind of weird that none of them have gone back and said that, doesn't it? It does to me. They were so sure that Brett Kavanaugh was this monster. They were so certain that he had done this that they couldn't vote for him. It was the seriousness of the charge, and they did nothing. They got the vote delayed a week so that the FBI could speak to everybody Christine Blase Ford said was there at the time, and all of them to a person, including her best friend, said... Uh, no, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. She's she's wrong or she's lying. Didn't happen. And what did the Democrats say? Well, this investigation was short-circuited. It was cut short. It was not this, that, the other. They didn't take it seriously. Republicans refused to allow the time necessary. Well, now Democrats have nothing but time. They got nothing but time. Why have none of them, not a single one of them, even they don't have control over the FBI and Congress, but they can send letters, they can make suggestions, they can make public pronouncements. They haven't, because they didn't care. Same reason they uh, they stopped giving a damn about, say, the quote-unquote victims of Herman Cain. Remember that? twenty or 2012, Herman Cain's running for president. He is the front runner at the time in the polls in the Republican primary. What happens? Gloria Allred, whose daughter ended up getting involved in Harvey Weinstein and is now trying to uh, make up for that. She spent her time attacking women because, you know, you go where the cash is, where the, the check has more zeros. Uh, Gloria Allred trotted out a whole bunch of women. Oh, Herman Cain sexually harassed me. Herman Cain was terrible and mean to me. He was sexually harassing me. And all of them came out. And within a week, it was all the media could talk about to the point that Herman Cain had to drop out of the race. Those women were going to pursue justice, damn it. Don't you understand? They were going to sue. Why else would you have Gloria Allred there? They were going to pursue Herman Cain to the ends of the earth for the massive injustice that he perpetrated on them when they were working for him at Godfather Pizza or wherever the hell it was. Who knows? Who cares? The details didn't matter. It was, again, the seriousness of the allegations. So Herman Cain then sees his fundraising start to suffer, which was the point in the first place, and eventually, in pretty short order, actually drops out of the presidential race. At which point, curiously, those women and their lawyer, who were bound and determined to make sure that Herman Cain faced justice for his crimes against humanity, all ceased to exist. 
it's weird. It's bizarre how many of these champions who will pursue their justice to the ends of the earth then disappear once their political ends are met. Isn't it? Nobody's suing Brett Kavanaugh for the alleged gang rapes or sexual assaults or anything. None of those women have come forward. None of them have even gotten a book deal. That tells you something. That you think there's no way publishers didn't reach out to people. There's no way that there isn't a publisher. I would say there's every publisher out there had sent messages, emissaries, had talked to Julie Swetnick about the possibility of, hey, we'd like to get uh, your book. Maybe we'd like to tell your story. And after having a conversation with her, when they realized that it belonged in the young adult fiction section next to Harry Potter rather than in the actual events that happened story, those book deals didn't happen because we're not to the point yet we'll get there where teen tour stories of of uh, repeated gang rape parties are going to be the big thing right now if you make it a gay gang rape party it probably some publisher would have run with it some transsexual uh, party then the publisher would probably run with it but in reality the story that uh, julie swetnick start, tried to sell in the fiction realm, there's not much market for it. And there's no interest in it anymore because Brett Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court. So if her story were true, if her story were verifiable, if her story had anything backing it up, anything remotely close to something backing it up, she'd have had a book out, there'd be a children's version of it, and she'd be making the rounds on cable news. As it stands... When's the last time you heard of Julie Swetnick, aside from this show? Never? Never in a day? It's not by accident. She's done. You wonder what happens to useful idiots once the useful part goes away? Well, their lawyers end up in jail, and they end up a bar trivia question. So this this hearing, the Ketanji Brown-Jackson hearing, is so boring, pointless, It's a foregone conclusion. Republicans aren't really playing hardball. They're not. But uh, it's a damn joke. The whole thing is a joke. The whole thing is pathetic. The whole thing is worthless. The whole thing is who the left is. You got, uh, what's his name? Mark Joseph Stern. He is, uh, he covers Congress for the, uh, for Slate.com. Yesterday, I almost thought about getting this audio, but it was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for Cory Booker. He just went on about how wonderful uh, uh, Judge Jackson is. Oh, my God, she's wonderful. And it just proves how wonderful this country is that a black woman could finally blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Cory, you're born rich. Shut up, you fraud. You absolute fraud. And there's a picture of Katanje Brown Jackson with a tear, one tear rolling down her cheek and he writes this uh, ap photo of kbj during cory booker's speech is going to stick with me (laughs) oh she's all just crying yeah no it's not theater at all it's not theater at all yet every time you question her record like hey why did you let off so many child molesters every in fact child molester so easily every child molester that came before you why did uh, you let them off? 
so easily, so lightly, below the minimum sentence. That's racist, that's sexist, that's whatever else kind of istrophobe it is. It's so pathetic. It's so absolutely pathetic as to not be surprising. There is a uh, a new narrative being spun at the end of the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings that she is quiet dignity and grace, whereas that evil Brett Kavanaugh he was a, he had outbursts and he was angry. He was the monster. He was a problem. Realistically, they're saying that uh, Kavanaugh was white and therefore he's evil, whereas Katanji Brown Jackson is black and therefore good. It's that's how left works. Well, she's a progressive, but it, they base it on skin color. If Katanji Brown Jackson suddenly saw the light, gained about fifty IQ points and began recognizing the Constitution as written, she would be denounced by these very same people. I promise you that. Now, there's never any threat of that. She's she's commi- she's pot committed. They're not going anywhere near. They wouldn't go anywhere near somebody who might run risk of being a rational human being to nominate to the Supreme Court. They They haven't done it in my lifetime. Why would they start now? But you've got this narrative that, oh, it's so different. She was treated so differently and so poorly because she's a black woman. First of all, how do you know she's a woman? All right. Can we all? She doesn't know what the hell a woman is. So you can't say that she's a woman. Secondly, this is from Vanity Fair. A guy named Christian uh, Farius. I don't know. what he, he, He looks pretty dumb in his little Twitter picture. But he says he's a writer, editor, lawyer. I've written about law, justice, and their failures in lots of places. Oh, no. The failures of it. I like letting people who are idiots into the bar. Might be a good way to look at it. At Vanity Fair, quote, Jackson faced all these broadsides, infuriating as they were, with aplomb. She didn't have a choice. Republicans would have never permitted her the emotional outburst of, say, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, end quote. Yeah, Christian will accuse her of, of multiple rapes. Falsely accuse her of multiple rapes in front of his family with zero evidence and with no evidence whatsoever. You bring in his accuser who can't offer any specifics and you have her talk like a 13-year-old girl who's so traumatized by somebody having tried to kiss her when she was 15 years old and nobody else remembers it and you have her sit there and then you say, I can't believe you're a monster, Brett Cavan. You're an alcoholic monster who does nothing but set women on fire after you try to rape them. And see, See how that goes over. I bet if you, you you accused any of these leftists of rape, they probably wouldn't sit there and go, well, you know what? I uh, I need to hear the evidence against me. Uh, it's a very serious charge, and I want to hear the evidence against me before I pass any judgment, before I make any declarations about my guilt or innocence. I want to make sure that I am fully aware of the allegations against me and uh, I will not question in any serious manner my accusers because women would never, ever in a million years make this stuff up. I somehow doubt that. I somehow doubt that. 
But this does not stop Democrats from lying because nothing stops Democrats from lying. Hell, catching Democrats in a lie doesn't stop Democrats from lying, right? They're still out there saying Brett Kavanaugh was a horrible rapist. They're still out there saying that Russia interfered with the 2016 election. They're still out there saying that the 2016 election. They're still saying that Putin changed votes in the 2016 election. There's no proof of that. There's proof to the contrary. There's evidence. It doesn't matter. They're still out there saying it because they don't have to. So that leads us to this piece, this uh, editorial. This is the official position of the newspaper. This isn't, you know, some jackass going, hey, can you give me 700? I'll give you 500 bucks. You give me 700 words on uh, what you think of the Katanji Jackson or Brown Jackson hearings. All right. How about that? No, this is the people who run the paper getting together and going, this is going to be, this is our official statement on it. Their headline, Republicans boast that they have not pulled a Kavanaugh. In fact, they've treated Jackson worse. I wish, I wish. She is going to do to the Constitution what they accuse Brett Kavanaugh of having done to a bunch of women. She's going to actually do it to the Constitution. But hey, asking questions of a black woman about that black woman's own record is the new racist. How? Don't ask. Don't try to figure it out. That's just the new racist. Accept it, racist, and go about your business. So stupid. The Post. Throughout her Senate confirmation hearings, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson has been the model of composure, which is made all the more impressive by the egregious behavior of some on the Republican side. Yeah. During the hearings, Republicans such as Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, have congratulated themselves for declining to treat Judge Jackson the way Democrats handled the nomination of Brett M. Kavanaugh. In fact, by the most relevant measures, Mr. Graham and a handful of other Judiciary Committee Republicans have handled themselves worse. God, I wish I could tell these people in which orifice to stick it sideways with a bunch of spikes sticking out of it, and I wish that they would actually have it stuck there. Um, But I can't. A woman credibly accused. It's always she credibly accused. All right, well, where's any evidence whatsoever to back up her claim? Any evidence. We have different definitions of the word credibility. We have different definitions of the word woman. We have different definitions of the word gender, everything. We have different, we're living in different worlds. A woman credibly accused Mr. Kavanaugh of sexual assault. Democrats rightly asked the committee, to investigate. After a superficial FBI review, Republicans pressed forward with his nomination. In the end, it was Mr. Kavanaugh who behaved intemperately, personally attacking Democratic senators and revealing partisan instincts that raised questions about his commitment to impartiality. Yes, well, how many rapists sit on the board of the Washington Post, the editorial board? Probably not many, but I'd bet some, right? I'd bet some. By contrast, Republicans have smeared Judge Jackson based on obvious distortions of her record and the law. Mr. Graham and others painted her as a friend of child pornographers, despite the fact that her sentences in the cases reflect the judicial mainstream. That's their defense. It's mainstream. Of course, 
liberals think that kindergarten drag queen story time is right within the mainstream, right in that sweet spot. So I'm not really sure that they they are good arbiters of what constitutes the mainstream, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, right in the main... that's, That's the only, only defense... It's well well within the mainstream. Well, well, everybody's easy on child molesters, or a lot of judges are easy on child molesters. You really have to find some real monster of a judge who goes after a child molester with any sort of seriousness. What? Even conservative outlets have debunked these allegations before the hearing began. The more Judge Jackson argued for rationality in criminal sentencing or attempted to, as Mr. Graham continually interrupted her. Oh, yeah. Go back and look at any footage of Kamala Harris, for example, questioning any judicial nominee. All the whining of, oh, my God, they interrupted her. They interrupted her. They inter-. Yeah, because a common tactic amongst witnesses is to run out the clock. So you got to shut them up. All right. If she were saying something worth listening to, they would have listened to it. But she's going, gee, I don't know what a woman is. I'm not a biologist. That was the entirety of her answer. Uh, The more Mr. Graham ranted about the evils of child pornography, which Judge Jackson had already condemned repeatedly, and her record plainly shows she takes seriously. Yes, she totally takes it seriously, the way she gave that guy 18 years old with a bunch of 8-year-olds in sex acts and the pictures he had. It gave him three months. Totally, totally takes it seriously. Who, Who wouldn't? Um. Mr. Graham also attacked Judge Jackson for her work defending Guantanamo Bay detainees, acknowledging that no one would, no one should judge her for representing unpopular defendants or advocating zealously for her clients, and then proceeding to do just that. No examples given. No examples given. Again, no examples given. If Democrats have truth on their side, then they would just be able to present that, wouldn't they? They're not presenting that. Tells you something. Senator Marsha Blackburn used much of her time assailing those concerned about transgender people. Senator Ted Cruz attacked... Notice, let's say they didn't say anything about uh, the simple, basic question that Marsha Blackburn asked, what is a woman? Well, I couldn't possibly answer that. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a biologist. Okay. So then the case of medical malpractice comes before you. Are you just going to say, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Hmm? Are you going to do that? Should you then, when uh, a case involving trans athletes beating girls comes before the case, do you say, well, I I don't know what any of these terms mean. Or I'm not trans, I can't judge. Or I'm not, I'm not sure I'm a woman, because I'm pretty sure you were only picked because you are a woman. Well, you only picked because you are a woman and the color of your skin. That's the only reason you're up there. Your radical politics was just the final separation. Your hatred of this country and everything that makes it good. Senator Ted Cruz attacked Jackson for sitting on the board of Georgetown Day School, a D.C. private school, because he disapproves of its anti-racism curriculum. Oh, it's anti-racism. No, it's critical race theory. It is racism. It's not anti-racism. It is you're white, you're a racist, you're black, you're a victim. That's the curriculum. 
But no, God forbid, you get Amy Coney Barrett up there. He goes, you sit on a board of a school that does not advocate actively and force girls there to have abortions. Why are you such a monster? That's perfectly okay in the minds of these leftists. But saying, hey, you say you don't know anything about critical race theory, yet you're on the board of this school that shoves it down kids' throats. Uh, these kids going to the Georgetown Day School would probably get it at home. Their parents are all fascistic leftist morons who are rich, hypocritical frauds. So it's not surprising that they'd want their kids to get it at school to save them time so they can work on what gender they're going to name, uh, become and, and what they're going to choose as their new name once they get home. But it's interesting, interesting to look at that this is how they do it. Similarly, several Republicans claimed that outside pressure groups favored her nomination, even though she has no connection to them. <laughs> These attacks by association underscored that they had little substance on which to criticize her. Little substance. Note that the Washington Post use exactly zero substance to make their case. They just built a straw man, set it on fire, and ran away. Built a straw man, set it on fire, ran away. And oh, by the way, this BS about, oh, outside groups. Look up what any of these little uh, propaganda outlets said about any of the conservative nominees and, say, the Federalist Society or the Heritage Foundation. They did exactly the same damn thing. The difference is the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation actually like the United States of America, whereas these Democrat pressure groups demand justice, for example, didn't. It's kind of funny. Cory Booker, who had a, a mental break, he, always, he, always, he only ever makes the news when he has videos of him crying like a little baby. He said uh, about uh, Demand Justice, this group started by Hillary Clinton's communications director from her 2016 campaign, um, Brian Fallon. Of course, they all know who he is, and they all go. They all said there was a story in Politico this week. I don't know who Demand Justice is. I don't know anything about him. Cory Booker is on record saying, "I'm not sure who Demand Justice is, but I know that we're not working with them." And then it turns out that Cory Booker has spoken at several Demand Justice events. He's spoken at them, but he doesn't know who they are and never would ever coordinate with it. They're full of it. They're so full of it, it's coming out their pores. Washington Post then goes on after lambasting lying about Republicans. Oh, no. Not all judiciary. They're very proud of some Republicans. Not all Judiciary Committee Republicans went off the rails. Senator Ben Sass questioned her respectfully on the originalist philosophy of judicial interpretations. Others posed questions about substantive due process, the doctrine under which the court has established rights not explicitly enumerated in the Constitution. Senator Charles Grassley congratulated the Democrats on running a fair hearing. Throughout, Judge Jackson gave thoughtful if not particularly revelatory responses. Now, it's kind of funny that she's so wonderful. She didn't, she dodged. Basically, that's the nice way of saying she dodged. She dodged. She refused to answer. She dodged. Except she's on their team. They didn't want her to answer. Democrats don't want her to answer because they know that it'll make, it'll expose her, not make her, it'll expose her. It's being a lunatic leftist just this side of some college person screaming at somebody trying to give a speech. 
They continue as they wrap it up. Unfortunately, their colleagues' antics distracted from their more productive questioning. And from what should have been the order of the day, recognizing the historic nomination of the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court and using the opportunity to probe thorny legal questions in good faith. Yeah, you're not. They say it right there. They say the quiet part out loud. You should not question a black woman the same way you'd question everybody else. Look, you're treating her the same based on her skin color when you should be treating her differently based on her skin color. The Democrats said without without any sense of irony, without any sense of self-awareness. That's who the Democrats are. Treat her differently because of her skin color, damn it. She's up there being nominated for the Supreme Court. Yeah, we had a couple of black guys up there, but we've never had a black woman. Well, this black woman doesn't know what a woman is, so maybe she's not a woman. We don't know. People were tweeting a picture of her and her daughter, her daughter in the background going, oh, it's a daughter's pride. And like I retweeted one of them saying, how, do you, how dare you assign gender to this person you don't know how this person identifies stop it the number one piece on the opinion pages of the washington post right now is headlined the timeless truth Kentunji brown jackson said out loud <laughs> just the timeless truth by somebody called michelle norris i don't know who she is Says she said the quiet part out loud in an opening statement before more cameras than she's probably ever faced. Judge Katanzi Brown Jackson took a deep breath Monday and explained that she was quote saving a special moment in the introduction for my daughters. With her girls seated behind her, she said, "I know it has not been easy as I have tried to navigate the challenges of juggling my career and motherhood, and I fully admit that I did not always get the balance right." Confessing she's a bad mom, but I hope that you've seen that with hard work, determination, and love, it can be done. Oh, it can be done. <laughs> I'm fairly certain women folk everywhere saw themselves in that statement and felt something deep inside their souls. With a lifetime appointment to the highest court within her sights, Jackson put the spotlight on the constant fear that, as a mother, you're not getting it right. She gave voice to that gnawing worry that lives inside so many of us that if anyone looked too closely behind the veneer of an orderly life, they might see something a little more raggedy around the edges. That, it was part of her prepared statement, makes this even more remarkable. Yeah, because they've never focus group that kind of garbage, and every nominee never acknowledges their kids. She's the first one. These people are pathetic. Makes even more remarkable, she chose to bring the sometimes rickety confidence of a working woman's psyche into the hearing room, dominated by men who probably never figured out the schedules for snack week, music lessons, or dental cleanings. Wow, sexism much? Sexism much there? My God. It's okay, though, because she's talking about how evil men are. 
See, if you go more specific, then you got to say white man. But she's just doing the gender thing. She's not doing the full blown politics thing. Then she's because uh, then it's and then it's just white people because then Marsha Blackburn's sitting up there and she asked what a woman is. So it depends on which level of outrage Democrats are trying to stoke uh, that uh, how it works out and what they say. The timeless truth. Oh, it's just a timeless truth. Oh, it's a... Back to the editorial board, their final paragraph. This is how the official, I don't know, the birdcage liner of men... Bird, it caused constipation, birds go. I'm not going to poop on that. It's not worth it. Jeff Bezos's plaything. Neither side is blameless in the politicization of the confirmation process, but particularly after they iced out then-Judge Merrick Garland in 2016, Republicans have done the most damage. The clownish performance by Mr. Graham and others continues them on that trajectory. Yeah, no, they Democrats, who could say where this started, except for anybody who remembers Robert Bork's confirmation hearing? Anybody who remembers Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearing. But other than that, nobody can figure out where any of this animosity and clownishness comes from. It could, could just come from anywhere unless you remember the Samuel Alito uh, confirmation hearing or the, the filibuster that the Democrats tried to pull on him or uh, the, uh, the Kavanaugh hearings or the Amy Coney Barrett hearings. And other than that... Nobody can know where these things went wrong. There's enough blame to go around. What with because once Republicans held uh, Democrats to the Democrats' rule of no confirmation hearings in the second term of a president. It was the Biden rule, by the way. Something articulated by our current president of the United States. That in the uh, when the party, when the president in charge is going to be out of office, there should be no hearings, no confirmation. We'll just wait until afterwards. Anyway, Merrick Garland turned out to be an absolutely worthless pile of human excrement as Attorney General of the United States. Thank God for Mitch McConnell and that he is not on the Supreme Court. You watch this clown accuse parents who don't want their children indoctrinated into racial hatred in schools uh, list those parents as terrorists. And you think that guy was, that guy was who the Democrats said should be on the Supreme Court? That guy should be on the Supreme Court? Hell no, absolutely not under no circumstances could they be on there. That said, Democrats did not ask one question of substance in this entire confirmation hearing. I defy anybody listening send me the clip of a Democrat, any Democrat, asking a question of substance, a probative question of substance that wasn't asked because they wanted to get out in front of what a Republican was going to ask. Because Dick Durbin, the most appropriately named man in the United States Senate, did ask her a lot about uh, kitty porn, child pornography, and child molesters. Now, there could be other reasons for that. But I won't get into it. Uh, but he did ask about that. He asked about that in a very leading way every single time. You did the. You really. Uh, let me ask you something, Judge Jackson. You you really really hate child molesters, don't you? 
Yes, I do. Yeah, that's what I thought. And you, you think that they should be, that they're bad people, right? Oh, yes, yes, they're awful people. Yeah, good, good, good. You would never, never think of them as good people, would you? No, 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 never. All right, well, that's that's good. I think we've reached uh, the end of my questions there. I, I'm out of, you've answered all of them honestly and how anybody could come away from that exchange thinking that you maybe sentenced every single freaking child molester you ever uh, had the chance to sentence to an incredibly disturbingly light sentence. I don't see how anybody could think that as long as they don't look at the record. As long as they don't consider the actual facts of the case, if they don't look at anything related to what you said at the time, what you did at the time, then I don't see how anybody could come away with any other conclusion than that you are uh, really just this side of a vigilante who wants to really, if you had your druthers, would spend your weekends going out and beating up on the streets like a la Batman. Anybody who is into child pornography or, or child molestation. So, Judge uh, Jackson, you are my hero, and you can babysit my children at any time. Of course, they're all adults. They're just incredibly stupid and need to be watched constantly. Thank you for your time. That's Dick Durbin, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Democratic Party. That was the extent of their serious questions, and that is what the Washington Post wanted because of the historic nature of the nomination. That's it. It's the historic nature of the nomination. Okay. So um, all Republicans have to do is nominate a conservative black person, a conservative Hispanic person, or a conservative Asian person, since there's no Asians on the Supreme Court. And the Washington Post will say, how dare anybody question? doesn't matter who it is. How dare anybody question this person? They should be celebrating. There should be an ice cream cake with historic nature of the nomination written across it. And everybody should be forced to have two pieces, not just one, two pieces, because this is such a historic moment. Something tells me that won't happen. Something tells me that's not the way that the left works in reality, right? Am I crazy? No, I'm not crazy. They're evil. Yeah. They're evil. You want to talk about the ramifications of Ketanji Brown Jackson and the insanity of the left and the implications is that, you know, they're asking her what a woman was. How dare they ask her what a woman? She's a woman. She didn't say that. She could have just said, I'm a woman. There's her answer. You can talk to another woman or talk about another woman, a woman named Michelle Morse, Michelle E. Morse. On Twitter, she is under NYC Health CMO, all one word. She is uh, the first chief medical officer, an internal medicine and public health doctor in New York City. She is out there. She's one of the health policy experts that the mayor's office in New York relies upon. You think, well, the new mayor, no, 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 this is, this is the new mayor. She tweeted out today, NYC Healthy and the mayor's office announced an expansion of our citywide doula program and midwifery initiative to reduce maternal and infant health inequities. The time for birth equity is now. Is there a time for not for birth equity? She goes on, there's a thread. Too many New York City families experience life-threatening complications from childbirth and even loss of life of the birthing person or their child. 
Yes, birthing person. We must hold ourselves and our healthcare delivery organizations accountable to our anti-racism mission and make health equity a reality. For too long, barriers stood between doulas and the families who would benefit most from their support. We need to support birthing people through all aspects of their birthing experience. Not even pregnancy anymore. Birthing. Birthing. Perhaps the most beautiful and personal gift we can share with birthing people as they navigate the groundbreaking, life-changing experience of creating life. Yeah, men are all the ones creating life, apparently. This is what doulas do. I don't know what the hell a doula is. Is that like a midwife but Spanish? I don't know. I've never heard it before. The urgency of the moment is clear. Mortality rates of birthing people are too high. And babies born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in... Mothers? What? Gender sexism much? Born to black and Puerto Rican mothers in this city are three times more likely to die in their first year of life than babies born to non-Hispanic white birthing people. Huh? Is she saying that white people can take better care of their kids or what? Are societies trying to kill black kids or something? Hmm? New York City? Well, they haven't had a Republican in control for about 20 years. More than 20 years. Why is this problem getting worse under continual Democrat control? <sighs> and New York City's na healthy neighborhood action centers in Brownsville and Brooklyn, East Harlem, blah, blah, blah. Families have a safe, welcoming, and supportive space. These include childbirth education. Ooh. I'd like to see that childbirth education and how they explain that uh, a man pushes the baby through the urethra. I want to I don't want to actually know the phantom pain for that would be far too much. I don't want to see that. But I can only imagine that's what they do, that there's some cartoon being drawn right now. And they go, you know what? Father got pregnant. Father got pregnant. My two dads. No, that's not the biological reality. And I'm not a biologist. And even I know that. Okay, so I just looked up what a doula is, just so I know. A doula, let's see, according to dictionary, this will change because it mentions women. Can't have that. A woman, typically without formal obstetric training, who is employed to provide guidance and support to a pregnant woman during labor. Now... <sighs> problematic definition much am i right am i right and then the other one is a woman employed to provide guidance and support to the mother of a newborn baby now the, i was like what's the difference between a midwife and a doula well according to uh, bellhousedoulas.com which i would assume is on the side of the doulas like the like the sharks and the jets or something maybe they fight whenever they see each other they said there's a difference. There's one significant difference between a midwife and a doula. Midwives provide medical care for you during pregnancy, birth, and the immediate postpartum period. Doulas provide you and your family with emotional, informational, and psychological support during pregnancy, birth, and the immediate postpartum period. So one has medical background and the other one is... Just somebody, I don't know, I assume there's some, there's got to be some kind of standards, wouldn't there be, for doulas? 
But New York City, don't worry, they're on the case. They're going to provide midwives and doulas, 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 doulas is the main focus here, which is weird because I've never known anybody to get a do. I've never known anybody with a midwife either. So, I mean, I don't know who's hiring these people to help them through it. We had, you know, with our kids, it was you go to the hospital and the kid is born, right? That there's, uh, I'm your midwife. We were not assigned a midwife. I don't even know. I don't even remember. Maybe, maybe my my wife probably knew that I wouldn't go for it. <laughs> maybe somebody offered, like, "Hey, would you like to?" Here's a catalog of midwives or doulas, and my wife would have known instinctively. We're not going for that. No, but I don't know how you go and get one. But maybe, maybe the disparity has to do with who has a doula and who has a midwife. If you're dealing with mortality and high-risk communities or whatever, people who don't lead the healthiest of lifestyles. There was some study, Tucker last night did something about, uh, they called a whole bunch of marijuana dispensaries. Weed, I don't know, marijuana dispensaries. Sounds so formal. They're weed stores. That's what they are. They're weed stores. Nobody out there is going, oh, my glaucoma. No, they're going, I want to get high. All right, the doctor said I had glaucoma. Just give me the, give me the killer bud. Uh, they called weed stores, and the weed stores were almost ninety some, almost one hundred percent, but not quite. We're saying to women who are pretending to be pregnant, calling up asking about weed, that no, 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 you should totally smoke weed, and you should totally chew edible uh, THC candies uh, when you're pregnant. That's just the way it should be. And like, I'm I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you probably don't want to do that. I'm pretty sure if you call some brewery or some distillery and they go, well, you know what, though? The science is changing on that whole pregnancy deal. And if you want to, if you want to have a, just this, I mean, I wouldn't say go full Kennedy, but you could go Kennedy adjacent. You could, you could drink like somebody who married into the family, but hasn't quite fully been accepted by the clan. And then I think you'll be fine because I think the baby, Definitely, you know, how you you need to, like, get the kids to play in dirt so they toughen up their immune system. You got to kind of toughen up the liver by uh, starting to drink earlier. I'm so sure you would get that. I just don't think that's medically sound advice, which is why if in the scheme of things, if you're looking, if you need help for whatever reason. And by the way, the health disparities, the inequities that New York City is claiming to care so deeply about and be addressing because oh my god they're they they need to be it's an unfortunate they're minuscule thank god they're minuscule very few babies of any race die in childbirth very few mothers of any race die in childbirth but if you are somehow in a high risk category whatever that happens to be i would suggest that you don't hire a doula even though apparently New York City is going to try and push you into a doula. As for too long, barriers stood between doulas and the families who would benefit most from their support. No more, they say. Um, they're not medical doctors. Maybe that's more of what isn't working isn't going to make it work. Call me crazy, but even I know that. More of what doesn't work or where the problem lies is not going to save the problem. If you find people who are at high risk, might I suggest because of uh, obesity and diabetes, 
might be, just, just spitballing here, that if you did that, if you focused the midwives on those, not the doulas, because quite frankly, we've established by their own very definition that doulas are not medical, have no medical background, no medical abilities, whereas midwives do. And all a doula can do, which I'm sure is very important to some women out there who need the doula's help, the emotional support, they help them with emotional, informational, and physical support. What does that mean? Physical support. Help you get out of bed in the morning? But that's what the doulas do. So you do what doulas do. Doesn't really seem like if you are a high risk for mortality or a high risk pregnancy, a doula is the way to go. Get New York City in order to combat health inequities where allegedly so many birth, well, no, that's black and Puerto Rican mothers compared to non-Hispanic white birthing persons. And why is it, why are they segregating out uh, Puerto Ricans? I know there are a lot of Puerto Ricans in New York, but there are other Hispanics too. They're not addressed at all. Apparently they don't have any health disparities whatsoever or whatever. It's just those evil whitey birthing people. I thought the left goes absolutely crazy for black trans lives matter. Like that matters more than white trans lives or any other trans lives. But for some reason, this health official in New York City just otherized them. What's going on there? What kind of horrible, horrible gender sexism is going on? I could go on all day about this stupidity. I could go on all day about this stupidity. I could also point out that what, somewhere north of 50% of all pregnancies, all black pregnancies end in abortion in New York City. You're caring so deeply about the children. You're, you're ending half of them before they even have a chance to begin more than half. I think, I think the number is actually up to like 70%. That's how pathetic and, and bad things are and evil things are in New York city. But the doulas don't care. None of them care because, uh, it's all about what, what's well, all about electing Democrats. If, uh, if the policies that Democrats have been pushing for so long work, then Democrat cities that have been controlled democratically for generations wouldn't need emergency measures by anybody's office to address these horrible, horrible health disparities. Would they? I don't think they would. Uh, By the way, uh, I haven't forgotten. It's just that now that they're reporting seven-day averages, it it probably only makes sense once a week to talk about the COVID numbers. So maybe we'll do that on this day. I'm looking at the COVID numbers. Uh, Last year, this time, this week, the last seven-day period, there were 54,876 new cases, whereas this week, this year, there are 29,427 new cases. Good news, good news. About half, a little less than half as many cases. But then you get to the confusing part where it's like, oh, the number of deaths, seven-day rolling average, 1,800, or 1,083, sorry, 1,083, whereas this year, it's 879. Almost twice as many, or or half as many cases, but only about uh, a quarter fewer deaths. Can we learn anything from that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking at the internet, and I keep, 
everywhere you go on these news sites, there's a picture of what? There's a picture of Colin Kaepernick's ugly face. <laughs> it's just, will he get another shot? Does he have a shot? No, he doesn't. He hasn't played football in five years. In his last three years in football, he sucked anyway. So, no, it doesn't matter how, you know, how well he runs in the middle of a field with nobody chasing him. Get him out, and then when every time he's been given a shot, he doesn't show up, or he does some sort of jackassery uh, calling uh, Steve Bashotti a slave owner and Ray Lewis a slave. And like, yeah, okay, that's that's going to be real good for, for unity on the team. You you really want that dude in the, uh, in the locker room, don't you? Oh, by the way, I, I learned something this week. Not, uh, it's not often that I learn stuff because I'm dense, you see. But I learned that Maury, the TV show Maury, is still on the air. Swear to God, it's still on the air. Well, it's not anymore. They've decided to end it. Maury, depending on who you believe, they've decided to end the show. Maury was the show. It's been on for 32 years. Maury, uh, or 31 years. Maury has decided it will end, or whatever Fox News has it. Maury Povich uh, says it uh, hasn't hit him yet that his show has officially ended. The Maury host announced that he was retiring on Monday in an interview in Good Morning America, where he revealed that he'd uh, wrapped filming season 31. 31. Now, I don't, I remember Maury. Back, there was, believe it or not, children, a heyday for daytime talk show trash. And that's exactly what it was. Daytime talk show trash. The Jennifer Jones, I guess it was Jenny Jones. I actually dated a girl named Jennifer Jones. Um, Not not that one. Um, There was uh, Sally Jesse Raphael. Montel Williams had a All day long, it was all these shows. And, of course, Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer got all the attention. Because everybody would fight. And then it became pretty clear that Jerry Springer was just a... It was fake. They are bringing people on to pretend to be outraged and, and fake fight each other. And the, the categories, the subjects became so ridiculous. But through all of that, there was Mari, married to Connie Chung. The lovely Connie Chung. Uh, Mari's gimmick, they all started off as trying to sort of do a Phil Donahue kind of thing. Daytime, serious topics. They all wanted to be Oprah. They wanted some of that Oprah money. Some of them got that kind of Oprah money. They just didn't parlay that into businesses. But they all wanted to be Oprah to a certain extent, and they realized that that wasn't going to differentiate them, and they went more outrageous. Jerry Springer went to, like, Nazis dating black chicks, and then they would fight their their siblings or whatever. Maury went to, that's not my baby. He has probably conducted more maternity tests on that show than most hospitals have. And it was always, you are the father. You are not the father. You are, And the people would celebrate or the audience would laugh hysterically. And what lost in all of that was there's an awful lot of women in this country, at least there were, who really had no freaking idea who their baby daddy was. Maybe that's a good thing he's going away. I, I You know, I want, meant to talk about this, and I'm going to. Because it is, it's one of those annoying things, the way that these people, these leftists work. And I, I, to the point now, I'd I'd like to think that we're better than them and we are better than them, but maybe we shouldn't be. Maybe it's time to give them a big dose of their own medicine. That These people, uh, 
don't want to take their own medicine. It's what's their own damn fault that they made it a suppository, right? With all the spikes and everything. It's from the Seattle Times. It has to do with Donald Trump. One of the senior Manhattan prosecutors who investigated Donald Trump, this is actually a New York Times story, but it's running in the Seattle Times, who uh, investigated Donald Trump believed that the former president was, quote, guilty of numerous felony violations, end quote, and that it was, quote, a grave failure of justice, end quote, not to hold him accountable, according to a copy of his resignation letter. Prosecutor Mark Pomerantz submitted his resignation last month after Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg abruptly stopped pursuing an indictment of Trump. Pomerantz, 70, a prominent former federal prosecutor and white-collar defense lawyer who came out of retirement to work on the Trump investigation, resigned the same day as Carrie Dune, another senior prosecutor leading the inquiry. He came and let you know who the guy is. He came out of retirement because he thought, I'm going to go after that SOP, Donald Trump. So, of course, he found that there were many. Charge him. Charge him. The prosecutor, the guy whose job it was, said, no, there's nothing to see here and ended it all. There's really, I don't know how the law works, but I would think that if there is absolutely egregious obvious felonies committed somewhere you could take that information regardless of what the former prosecutor said you take it to the current prosecutor you could take it to the current district you could take it to any number of outlets and present it and say well here's the smoking gun here's the video of him killing that woman those sorts of things here's the evidence you need this is proof instead you just write it in a, a, a partisan hack, writes it in a letter of resignation. And the New York Times, dutifully, good dogs that they are, go right along with it. Pomerantz, February 23rd letter, obtained by the New York Times. Gee, where do you think the New York Times got it? It's such a mystery. Who could have gotten it? Obtained by the New York Times offers a personal account of his decision to resign and for the first time states explicitly his belief that the office could have convicted the former president. Bragg's decision was, quote, contrary to the public interest, he wrote. Quote, the team that had been investigating Mr. Trump harbors no doubt about whether he committed crimes. He did, Pomerantz wrote. Pomerantz and Dune planned to charge Trump with falsifying business records, specifically his annual financial statement, a felony in New York State. My God. My God. And these people were out there bravely going after somebody who had accounting errors? Bragg's decision not to pursue charges and the resignations that followed through the fate of the long-running investigation into serious doubt. If the prosecutor had secured an indictment of Trump, it would have been the highest-profile case ever brought by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and would have made Trump the first American president to face criminal charges. If you got the, if he broke the law, go get him. If he didn't break the law... I would say that this guy, Mr. Pomerantz, Mark Pomerantz, needs to be disbarred, but he's 70 years old and retired already and came out of retirement to go after this. He is, of course, made millions of dollars, I would suspect, being one of the top white-collar defense lawyers in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, guarded and uh, protected and represented probably a whole lot of guilty scumbags. 
I bet every single one of them were Democrats. Every one of them were liberals in good standing. Every one of them made sure that they gave money to uh, whatever the latest cause celeb was and probably palled around with Jeffrey Epstein. But Donald Trump, once he changed that D from an R at the end of his name, nothing mattered. I bet you Pomerantz was pals with Donald Trump, too. Donald Trump knew a lot of people in New York, a lot of lawyers in New York. I bet that he was one of them. I just bet you. But that doesn't matter anymore. He's he's evil Republican. He therefore has to be destroyed. I would say that if you have evidence of wrongdoing, go after it. But to sit there and put out a statement saying he's guilty of sin and therefore blah, 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 and then you resign back in February, on February 23rd, and nobody notices, nobody cares, so what do you do? I don't know this to be the case. I'm just spitballing here. I'm guessing what had happened. I suspect that maybe he said, well, I didn't get any attention for what I'd said. Maybe I'll take my copy of my letter of resignation and send it to the New York Times, send it to friends over at the New York Times. And poof, a la kazam, just like that, you have what you have. It's weird how that works out. Because otherwise, who would give a damn about a letter of resignation to some hack lawyer who wasn't really an employee anyway? Nobody. But because of politics, because of liberalism, you end up with this story being the screaming story. Oh, this guy's. Oh, well, is this guy the arbiter of what is and isn't a crime? If he was so cocksure that Donald Trump was guilty, he didn't have to resign. He could have stayed there. He could have worked inside the system with the new people in charge to get that indictment. He didn't. Why? Why would he do that? It's so weird. Well, because on MSNBC, you don't have to present evidence. More importantly, on MSNBC, you don't have to be subjected to cross-examination. Your evidence does not have to be presented in a way that it could be counteracted, that it could be questioned in any way, shape, or form. Therefore, when you simply say, he is guilty as sin of these horrible, horrible crimes of whatever, that's it. It goes out into the void and it just sits there like an unloved ham sandwich. And it just sits there and sits there and sits there and it starts to stink up the joint. But nobody, Rachel Maddow isn't going to say, well, let me see your evidence. No, I don't think that evidence is convincing and really start questioning anything. No witnesses will be called for the prosecution or the defense on CNN when he goes and talks to Don Lemon, which I'm sure will happen. He will not face a grilling from Joy Reid or Chris Hayes or Nicole Wallace over at MSNBC. It just won't happen. You get a nice glowing write-up in the New York Times, and it's rather, rather lengthy write-up in the New York Times. By the way, the other prosecutor who also resigned refused to comment. If the case is so slam-dunky and so wonderful, why is none of the committed leftists involved in that case at all interested in pursuing it? Do you realize, look, the left puts a premium on scalps. The left does put a premium on scalps of conservatives. If you can ruin a conservative, 
you will be uh, you'll get a book deal about how you uh, are a champion for whatever it is you're not really a champion for, but what you're doing to damage the country. And you will get all the guest bookings you can handle to sell your book. You will be a hero to the left. Think Alexander Vindman. He brought nothing to the table. It's a complete and total disgrace. Uh, he should have been run out of the military. He should have been court-martialed. But instead, he was able to retire and given a six- or seven-figure book deal. He even got to appear on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm as himself, as a wonderful hero American. You get all of these things if you're a leftist. If you just you just have to have something to hang it on. Anybody who gets Donald Trump's scalp, I mean, Vindman didn't even really come close, and he was treated like a hero. If you got Donald Trump's scalp, my God, could you? If you got a conviction, a felony conviction against Donald John Trump, they would blow up the uh, the Lincoln head on Mount Rushmore and put yours up there by the end of that day. Leftists would do it. They would climb out there. They would violate the sacred Native American lands that uh, they claim are out there to climb up Lincoln's nose. And uh, even though their little vegan arms would barely be able to chip away at the granite, they would do it. They would do it. They would do it. And don't, I don't know what kind of stone it is, lime, whatever it is. You get the point. They would chip away at it with their toothbrushes until it resembled the person who got Donald Trump's scalp, if somebody got Donald Trump's scalp. So if you're going to try and convince me that, oh, it's just the good old boys network, that's what happens. One hand takes care of the other hand. I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> that's not That's not how the world works. That's not how this world works. They'll move heaven and earth. They worked diligently to damage the entirety of the country in order to damage Donald Trump during his presidency. Do you really think this after the presidency and related to insignificant business dealings is going to be any different? No. What's amazing to me is that there was anybody in the Manhattan DA's office who looked at this and said, this is no, no. I mean, we could, you can charge anybody with anything, but it won't go anywhere. There's no point to this. That's what's amazing to me. Not that these clowns are now going, oh, some retired leftist going, oh, he, he was guilty as sin. But don't ask me about it. Just quote extensively my letter of resignation, and then we can try and sully his reputation even more because that's, that's how liberals work. Remember when liberals were all upset that uh, James Comey announced there was an investigation into Hillary Clinton? And then he announced that there was, they were upset when he announced that there was, he was clearing Hillary Clinton? You don't do that. You don't do that. That's prosecutorial abuse. You don't do that. You don't say those things publicly. Nobody has a chance. It's different when it's Donald Trump. It's different when it's Donald Trump. There is no, how dare anybody do this sort of thing? No, no, no. The only thing that would be different is uh, Pomerantz will get invited to a better class of party. Instead of like the the 50th floor, he'll be invited to the penthouse for... uh, whatever the latest, there's no Easter parade, the Thanksgiving Day parade. He'll have a great view of Mason, although he probably lives in the the penthouse himself because I doubt he's missing any meals in his life. I think he's a pretty wealthy dude too. Just want you to know how this stuff works. It's different, 
based on the the R after your name. Now, the DM, a good thing to do is if you're ever charged with a crime, immediately convert to being a Democrat and toe the progressive line down and the media will run to your defense. Or if you are attacked for anything, whatever, you claim to be transgender and that should take care of it. Right? I mean, these are the rules that they're setting. Should apply to everybody, shouldn't they? Equal justice under law, equity and all that garbage. Nah, it's different if you think for yourself. Looking at the news, Nancy on New York Post. Hmm. Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, buys Tesla stock worth $2.2 million. No wonder Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to stop members of Congress and their spouses from being able to buy stock. She has ensured that people who buy, rich people, I guess I should say rich people, who buy Teslas get $7,500 in tax credits, tax rebates from you and me. We, we, we pay $7,500 worth of their uh, their Tesla. So you sh- if you can afford it, get in on it. What is the, what is it? Uh, the stock is like $800 or something? No, it's $1,007. The story, Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, bought Tesla stock worth $2.2 million this month, an investment that came as a growing number of lawmakers pushed for an outright ban on stock trades for members of Congress and their spouses. On March 17th, feeling the luck of the Irish, Pelosi, a venture capitalist, purchased 2,500 shares of Tesla stock by exercising 25 call options at a $500 stock price, a congressional disclosure filing revealed. Can you buy stock for for Tesla for $500? No, you can't. You can buy it for over $1,000 a share. But because... Paul Pelosi is Paul Pelosi and his wife is Nancy Pelosi. The Pelosi's managed to get invited into all these sorts of sweetheart deals. Now, stock options, as far as I've known, are for people who work for companies to lure somebody to work for a new company. You give them stock. Whether you choose to exercise them or not is entirely up to you. But there are a whole bunch of people at Facebook who are upset because the stock options they were offered when they were hired, are now, the stock price has gone down. So they say, you get hired, the stock is at, uh, say, $500 a share, just making the numbers up. And they say, well, we'll sell you, we'll give you a 1,000 stock options at $400 a share, but you have to vest, you have to work there for a year. And then you can buy stock for $400 a share. And it's already worth $500 a share. So the sky's the limit. If it's worth $10,000 a share in a year, you can buy it for $400 a share. So boom, you win right outside the box. But you just got to stay here for a year. That's sort of an incentive. Well, that's all well and good if the stock goes up. But if you say you're going to get $400 stock options for up to, uh, I don't know, 1,000 shares, and the stock is now worth $200 a share. It's not really all that valuable. The weird thing is the IRS wants to tax you on the value of $400 and you end up getting screwed, whether you exercise the options or not. Uh, Anyway, uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't have that problem either. They're just offered all of these options. Would you like this option? How would you like to buy a Tesla? It's like you found a coupon in in the the sales paper, 50% off Tesla stock. Why? What a great deal. It's just a wonderful coupon that they just happened to find. 
Tesla stock was worth about $2.2 million at the time of purchase, but Pelosi has already generated a windfall given the electric car firm's recent success. Shares were trading at approximately $1,007 as of Thursday morning, meaning Pelosi's stake is now worth more than $2.5 million. The disclosure could further rile critics, blah, 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 blah. They also made a couple of million dollars on a stock. Of, they were involved in an IPO, an initial public offering. Have you ever been involved in an IPO? Have you ever turned down the opportunity to be involved in an IPO? I'd be willing to bet the answer to both is no, you have not. But for some reason, a new sort of Visa card was coming out a few years ago. I think it was 10 years ago. And they said, hey, Nancy and Paul Pelosi, God, we just, you're... You're the type of people we want invested in us. Why don't we offer you the opportunity to get in on this initial public offering? And they netted millions of dollars in that. Now, what does it mean to be the special type of people? Have you get invited to such things? I assume it's white because they're both white. There's white. They're there's almost they're so white they're almost clear. And I don't see. I mean, maybe there are some minorities who are getting these kind of sweetheart deals. Uh, and have this kind of money to throw around, but they don't get written up, and they're certainly not married to or not currently the Speaker of the House. It's just weird how this stuff works out. It's just I'm just saying, I'm not saying there's anything illegal with it. I'm just saying it's sketchy and it stinks to high heaven, like everything they do. I suppose I, sh- I forgot, I, got, I should mention that Madeleine Albright passed away at 84 or whatever she was, former Secretary of State. The first... Yeah, birthing person to be secretary you know, what i don't huh i'm not sure how to an, her accomplishments was that she was the first woman to be secretary of state she wasn't particularly good at it i mean she's better than hillary clinton so i mean you know there you go not tough in that phrase but um Democrats now don't know what a woman is, so how do you celebrate somebody for being the first woman as Secretary of State? That seems a little bit weird to me. But uh, the lunatics on the left lionize Madeleine Albright. I don't care. I don't care who people worship or think of as a hero. Couldn't give a damn. Julia Ioffe, she's a left-wing writer. She's on MSNBC all the time. She says, I attended a dinner where Madeleine Albright was a keynote speaker, and in introducing her, the events organizer said, quote, Secretary Albright is working on a book about the Trump presidency. It's called Fascism, end quote. It was 2017, when no one in the D.C. establishment was using that word. Oh, no one was, huh? She was so absolutely fearless and clear-eyed. She inspired so many women to get into the male-dominated field of foreign policy. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody was using fascism back in 2017. On Inauguration Day in 2017, Chris Matthews on MSNBC called Donald Trump's um, inauguration address Hitlerian. Uh, So, yeah, there's that. You know, on... uh, October 21st, even before the election, the Washington Post, and I don't know if Julia knows this or not, but you don't get much more Washington than Washington Post. You know, there's not much more establishment-y than Washington, than the Washington Post. They ran a piece by a guy named John McNeil. He's a professor of history at Georgetown and an embarrassment to his profession and his family. 
He ran a piece called How Fascist is Donald Trump? There's actually a formula for that. Oh, but nobody, according to Julia Ioffe, was using the word fascism back then. It was just nobody in the D.C. establishment, except for, you know, the Washington Post, its Bible, and all of its disciples, all of its cardinals. Unbelievable how these people live with themselves. How these people, I don't know, maybe I just have a memory for things. Uh, or maybe I just don't like the BS that comes out of their mouths and it's so easy to disprove. You'd think If it's easy enough to disprove, you'd think before you make a declarative statement like this, this stupid, you would just, I don't know, check it. I don't think they want to look like idiots. They do it often enough that maybe they do, but I don't think they want to. Now, my memory, I don't know, Madeleine Albright. I didn't know Madeleine Albright. She may well have been the nicest person to ever roam the earth. I don't know. I don't care. I didn't like her politics. I didn't like what she did. And where I lost my respect for Madeleine Albright was at the 1998-ish, somewhere in there, when the Monica Lewinsky-Bill Clinton affair was coming out. Bill Clinton lied. Remember, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. Never, never told anybody to lie. Never, nothing, never, never, never. Well, there was a cabinet meeting shortly after that. People forget about this. And at the cabinet meeting, back then at the beginning of the scandal, there was all sorts of Bill Clinton's going to have to resign. If this is true, Bill Clinton has to resign. This is going to damage Bill Clinton, blah, 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 blah. It was all the things that a normal human being would go through. This guy's got to go. He's a scumbag. Well, real scumbags don't let the fact that they're scumbags bother. They know they're scumbags. They're not going to be bothered by it. So... Bill Clinton gathered his cabinet meeting. It was a regularly scheduled cabinet meeting. And at the beginning of it, he gave them the same spiel that he'd lied to the American people about. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Never. Not a single time. Never. Never, never, never. Like, okay. What happened then? I remember this plain as day. After the cabinet meeting, the cabinet officials came out and addressed the cameras. Madeleine Albright right in front of them. Why? Because she was a woman, you see. You want a woman to defend you against these sorts of charges if you're in the aesthetics game. Then what are they going to do? Send out Janet Reno? (laughs) First of all, Janet Reno is... uh, the uh, attorney general at the time, her department oversees sort of the Ken Star, and she couldn't comment on it anyway. And when you think you want a woman defending you, Janet Reno is not the one that leaps to mind. Sorry, call me a monster, but it's just true. So you had Madeleine Albright, front and center, the president of the United States. I don't blame Madeleine Albright for what she said. She, along with all the other cabinet secretaries who were there, minus the attorney general who conflict of interest wise couldn't be there had all come out and said we believe the president the president denied this the president was vehement we see no reason blah 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 he's a trustworthy man and this that and the other thing and all wonderful 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 all the lies that you if you're bill clinton want told about you there they were your cabinet officials people who are you know leaders in our government defending you so That's all well and good. 
that's what you should do if you're a cabinet secretary and you actually believe the president. The problem was eight months later, nine months later, Bill Clinton came out. The truth is, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky. That was inappropriate. And it turns out that everything was true, except for what Bill Clinton had been telling the public. That was the lie. And so what happened? Did Madeleine Albright resign in disgust, in anger, out of anger for having been used by the president of the United States to lie? You're a conduit for a lie. You know, you're not lying. But your credibility is impacted by it because you're out there saying, I believe this lie. I believe this lie. And then the guy comes out and says, well, I was lying. Oops, sorry. You should have, if you had integrity, go, I cannot work for you. I cannot work for a president of the United States who would, A, lie to the American public, and B, have an affair with an intern, or even a low-level staffer, whatever, and B, lie to me in order to get me to force me to lie to the American public. I can't be a party to that. I resign. Madeleine Albright was the face of that press availability outside the uh, White House. But none of them resigned. Not Madeleine Albright. She didn't resign. She didn't even condemn in any serious terms. Not when it mattered. Later on, she, they all sort of tisk tisk. I can't believe Bill Clinton did that. If you couldn't believe Bill Clinton did that, then why did you stay in the job? Why did you stay in the job? I don't think there's been one single I, my integrity, my personal integrity will not allow me to stay in this job and work for this person resignation in my lifetime. There was a perfect opportunity for it under Bill Clinton, and it didn't happen. Madeleine Albright was the tip of that spear. Now, I know her career is more than that, and I'm sure her family and friends loved her and rest in peace and all of that, but that's my memory of Madeleine Albright. That at the end of the day, when the chips are down, oh, she wrote a book called Fascism. At the end of the day, when the chips are down, she was a partisan hack just like every other single one of them. Because that's what Democrats are. And on that note, I bid you goodbye and have a happy weekend. Oh, man. Don't forget, though, don't, don't be a stranger. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Sign up for the Week in F and Review. Get all the bonus materials there and support the program. That way you don't have to be riddled with guilt that you're a freeloader. Stop freeloading. Five bucks a month. Make yourself feel better. Certainly help me out. And I would appreciate the hell out of that. And who else? Who else, I tell you, is in the podcasting game could do an hour and a half program. Make it interesting, entertaining, funny, and not use a single bit of audio with no other human being involved. Nobody to talk to, nobody to call on, nothing. It's just me, ladies and gentlemen. And for five bucks a month, if you could throw that my way, uh, you'd make it all worthwhile. I'd appreciate the hell out of it. Otherwise, have a great weekend. Uh, like I said, the uh, don't forget to enter the contest by Sunday at noonish, oneish, somewhere in there. Uh, just comment on the post as to which autographed book you want, John Cleese or Matt Walsh, and uh, tune in Monday to find out who wins that. I'll see you at midnight with the week in F and review. So many d bags, so little time. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.